Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is Battles on the Outside, Fear on the Inside. When Paul wrote the words in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 and 6, he wrote, the, he wrote this. He said, he said, when we came into Macedonia, there was no rest. We were faced with conflict on every side. There were battles around us. And there was fear inside of us. But God encourages those who are discouraged. And he sent Titus to encourage us. I want to unpack that verse segment by segment or precept upon precept. And, and I want to start with the words, there were battles all around us. He does not shed any light on what the battles were. But we know that every battle has an adversary. And so what he was saying is, I have an adversary. Actually, a better word, a better way of saying what he was saying because he said there was battles all around him. I have many adversaries. And sometimes an adversary is a person. In the Italian version of the Bible, it would read something like this. And that person would not shut their big mouth. Has anyone here seen somebody, they just antagonize you because they won't shut their big mouth? Say yes if you're with me. Come on, let me hear you. Say yes. If you yell back to me, I'll preach short. Are you, are you with me? Say yes. Okay, I got it. I got it. There was, there was either people or several different stress points. A stress point coming from this direction. A stress point from this direction. It was all around him and he could get no rest. I don't know if you can relate to that in the season that you're in right now. We've all lived through seasons that have almost broke us. But not all of us are living through such a season right now. But you can still relate to it because remembering that season is very clear to you. But for those of you that are living through a difficult season right now, just know this. Paul wrote these words to encourage you right where you're at today. When we go through these seasons where there's battles and pressure points and, and things that are beyond our control to fix. That's the hard part. It, when we look at, I heard John Maxwell say, a true leader identifies and solves a problem in the same moment. But when a leader looks at a situation in a nano speed, he identifies it and then he realizes, I cannot solve it. That is a paralyzing moment. When we go through these seasons, 
We have to ask God to help us recognize moments because you cannot win a battle strategizing day by day. You must have to win moment by moment. You just win the morning and then you win the afternoon. And then when you lay down at bed at night and you rest your head on the pillow, you won because you won the day, but you took the morning and then you took the afternoon to recognize moments. Sometimes we miss a moment. For example, if you're married here and you're celebrating your anniversary, but you missed it by one day, just one day, less than 24 hours. You're in a heap of trouble. If it's your birthday and I bring you your birthday present a week late, you'll still accept it, right? But I missed the moment. You can miss a moment. Thomas missed a moment, and it was a big moment. He was in the middle of a battle. He just saw his Lord and Savior get crucified. He went to a place of depression that he's never been before. If you've never fought depression, you don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm, I'm happy for you. But I have fought depression on, many, on most years of my life. Depression will take you to a place where you feel like you have no hope. And when you have no hope, you don't see a way forward. You think you will be where you are forever. And... Thomas lost hope. He went out and just started walking around himself while the other apostles met together in a locked room because they too were afraid, but they chose to stay together. All of a sudden, Jesus put his foot through the wall. Can you imagine just that one moment where just a foot was through the wall? He stepped through and stepped into the room. So there was a split second there where there was only a sandal. He stepped into the room and he looked at them and he said, don't be afraid. And he went, receive the Holy Spirit. Now the English translation of the Holy Spirit is way off. In the original Greek, the words Holy Spirit is translated ruach. We don't have a word in the English language that can translate the word ruach because ruach literally means it is the breath of God. And so when he showed up, he looked at apostles who were afraid and they had battles all outside. They were fearing that they were going to be the next person to be crucified because they believed in the one who was. And so he steps in, he goes, don't be afraid. And he goes, receive the Holy Spirit. What a moment. But Thomas missed the moment. It was bigger than missing someone's birthday. He missed the moment. You can capitalize on a moment just as easy as you can miss a moment. Fifteen years ago, my wife and I started Celebration Church, and we started with her, myself, and our six-month-old little girl. 
On our first service, three people from the Woodlands, Texas showed up to the service. Three. I have friends of mine who have started churches since then, and they say, we had 150 people on our first service. And I'm like, how did you do that? It took us a year to get to 150. We must have did something really wrong. It was so depressing. It was so depressing. But I had one friend, his name was Johnny McGowan. He probably doesn't even remember that he did this. But he called me week after week after week and said, how you doing? How's the church? It's going to be a great church. You're a great pastor. I'm like, I'm a pastor over three people. <laughs> That's okay. You're going to be, it's going to be a great church. He, would, he was in the moment. He saw I was in a moment. And the gift only lasts for the lifetime of a moment. Because if he calls me today, I'll appreciate it. But it doesn't weigh what it weighed when I needed it. He saw the moment. It is my hope. It is my hope. I'm not preaching about this. This is another subject for another day. But it's my hope that we would begin to recognize moments. Moments. It's easy to recognize seasons. Ooh, this is a hard season. This is a good season. But moments happen in less than seconds. You can almost feel the compelling voice of God. Call them and encourage them. Come worship me. Uh, on Thursday, I was preparing my message, and I looked at the clock, and I saw that in two hours, my family was coming home, so I actually it was on Friday, and I was preparing at home, and, and all of a sudden, I had a decision to make. Do I finish my message, which is obviously very important, or do I run to my office, because I was at the kitchen table, run to my office and take the next two hours to pray? That was a tough decision because I knew you would be looking at me in 48 hours and I better have something to say. But I also knew this, that if you show up to the house of God with a need and all you find is me, you and I both are going to be disappointed in what happens because you showed up to see God, to meet God, to feel the presence of God. I went upstairs and I got on my hands and knees and for the first time in a long time, hot tears came down my face. I pray every day with great passion, but I'm not an emotional person. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit took me to a place that was beautiful. But I almost missed the moment. Let me tell you, capitalize on the moment. It, 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 the very thought of God, it's an invitation from God. Let me say this. Some people capitalize on a moment. They miss a moment. It's very hard to capitalize on the moment whenever you're in a huge battle because you're stressed and you're worried, which is the strategy of the enemy. That's the enemy's playbook to keep you distracted and discouraged. But if you can see through it, and notice moments God uses you in the middle of the fire. When the fire inside burns brighter than the fire around you, that's when you know victory is a sure thing. You can put your hands together for that. It's got to stay hot in here. Some people can ruin their entire lives in a moment, in a split-second decision. It usually, the last thought usually sounds like this. I don't care. I don't care. 
in, in their entire life, in a moment, shifts. Here's a, a key. The word is halt, H-A-L-T. Hurt, angry, lonely, or tired. If you're ever hurt, angry, lonely, or tired, halt! Whatever you're about to do or say is stupid. Take that with love. This is coming from experience. This isn't knowledge speaking. This is experience. Every time I'm hurt, every time I'm angry, every time I'm lonely, every time I'm tired, whatever I'm about to do is, gonna, is a bad decision. Hurt, angry, lonely, or tired, halt! This is a critical moment. Whatever's going to come out of my mouth, whatever I'm about to do, halt! I'm in the middle of a battle, but I'm hurt, angry, lonely, or tired. Lock yourself in a closet, Frankie, and do not come out. Go to sleep, eat something, do something. Don't open your mouth and don't make any decisions. When we make decisions when we're hurt, angry, lonely, or tired, there's a 100% chance we should have punted on that decision. Are you with me? Say yes. So he was saying, there's battles all around me. And then he says this, there was fear on the inside of me. See, when you're a true leader, in fact, you don't have to be a true leader. You can be any kind of a leader. And especially moms are great at this. They identify and they solve a problem in nano speed. And you can tell if it's a one-hour problem, a one-day problem, a one-week problem, or a one-year problem in a nanosecond. And your emotions will follow your conclusion. The trouble is, is that we humans are very poor storytellers. Upon reading the introduction we begin writing the conclusion. One bad day, we assume it's a life sentence for the next five years. It's a bad moment. It's a bad week. It's not a bad year. And our emotions follow that thought. And the enemy knows that. And that's why he will whisper to the warrior, the storm is too great for you. But the warrior whispers back, God is with me. I am the storm. You can put your hands together. In Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17, it says that the spirit that is within me. I'm sorry, that's 1 John 4.4, 4, so I'll go ahead and say it. The spirit that is within me is greater than the spirit that's without, uh, surrounding me. In Isaiah 54.17, that was the scripture I was trying to go to. It says this, no weapon formed against me will prosper. I will have imbeciles try to annoy me. I will have problems that will try to overwhelm me. These are legitimate weapons, but they will not prosper. It's a big difference between someone attacking someone and somebody defeating someone. The enemy may attack you, but he cannot defeat you. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13... 
It says this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When our strength is coming from a greater place, there's nothing you can't do. But everything depends on who you depend on. If you depend on yourself, your strength is only determined by your own experiences and knowledge. But if your strength comes from the one you serve while you are on your knees, you can stand up against anything. Are you with me? And so... He says, the, 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 the song, I'm sorry, Paul says this, he goes, he goes, when we came into Macedonia, there was no rest. There were battles all around us. There was fear on the inside of us. And then he says this, but God encourages those who are discouraged. He encourages those. Anytime you find yourself discouraged and you know you are discouraged when there is a lack of courage. You know you have courage whenever you say, come on, bring it to me. And then you know you don't have courage when you say, I'll just stay in bed. See, courage is something that you can fake or it can be legitimate. Legitimate courage comes from God. You know it. You don't have to say it. You know it. It's right in here. It's standing in the wind and saying, be still. There's a sense of courage. He says, I'm going to encourage those who are discouraged. But the key is we have to give God an opportunity to do that. Because if we're just going to live our life and hope that God grabs us by the collar and says, now's the time for me to make you strong again, it's never going to happen. And so weeks and months go by and you feel weak and then you feel like God's too far to reach you. And then you begin to think thoughts that you've never thought before. Maybe he's not even there. And it all circles back. To the fact that it's been a while since you've given him an opportunity. How often have we, I'm not preaching to you, I'm including myself. How often have we folded our arms and said, when are you going to move? Knowing that the true question is not to God, but it's to ourselves. When are we going to kneel? We know that it starts with us. Deep in our heart, we know it starts with us, but we want God to just step in and take over and just drag us around. We know that's not how it happens. I was speaking in Atlanta last week, and I, was, I had a, a rental car. And, and uh, I remember I was driving back. and No, uh, yeah, yeah, I was driving back from the event. I was dropping off the rental car. And I walked in and there was this one young lady behind the counter and she was playing gospel music out of her cell phone. I didn't know the song, but I knew the, I knew the spirit of it. So with one lyric, I knew it was gospel. I smiled because I thought, we're in the same family. See, I love gospel. I can't sing gospel, but I try. 
because I love it. And I could sense that she was passionate about the things of God. And so I wanted to encourage her. I walked in and I said, thank you for the music. I love it. And she said something back to me I will never forget. She said it just like this. Ain't nobody going to create the atmosphere I need. I got to do it myself. I'll never forget it. Ain't nobody going to create the atmosphere I need. I got to create it myself. See, when you create it yourself, you don't wait for the perfect opportunity for birds to be chirping outside of your window and a rainbow to come when there is no rain and so that you know that it's God and then you go into your room and kneel down before him. No, 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 no. You don't wait. You provoke. You create the atmosphere. God, I am desperate for you. I am desperate for you. I am going to wake up every morning, just like the psalmist said in Psalms 5.3. Every morning I wake up, I'm going to lay the pieces of my life on your altar, and I'm going to wait for the fire to fall. If it doesn't fall today, you're going to hear me again tomorrow. In Isaiah chapter 6. 62 verse 6 it says this those of you who pray give yourself no rest give the Lord no rest until he finishes his work the very last part of that verse says that the Lord he encourages those who are discouraged and he encouraged us by sending Titus so God looks back and he says, I will encourage you, but I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to send somebody to you that will speak my very words. When you are encouraging someone, you are literally speaking the words of God. You say, Frankie, that sounds eloquent and nice. Sounds like it belongs in a fortune cookie. But I don't know that that's necessarily God. Absolutely. If it's in a fortune cookie, save it. Because 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, where is it? Chapter 14. I wasn't planning on chasing this rabbit, but I might as well just grab it real quick and get back to what I was saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3 says this. The spirit of prophecy encourages one another. It strengthens one another. It comforts one another. When you are strengthening someone, when you are encouraging someone, when you are comforting someone, God is literally using your voice to comfort their spirit. So follow that inclination. Sometimes it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do with you. See, God can change the season around you in a moment, but what's going on inside of you is far more important, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time. And so he sends Titus, and Titus shows up to Paul, and he says, don't be discouraged. There are believers, there are sons and daughters of the Lord. Well, for all of you parents out there, know that... 
There are sons and daughters that have no parents who need you. Say, how is that? So there's a natural mother, a natural father. There's also a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. You can have multiple of them depending on the season that you're in. I want to challenge you to look for spiritual children. Raise spiritual children. Snatch somebody out of the pit of hell and raise them and invest into them so that you can dance on those streets of gold together. That's spiritual parenting. But Titus shows up and he says, your children are worshiping God. And all of a sudden he was encouraged because Paul realized that more was happening beyond his vision than what he realized. Can I tell you this? God is doing more with you right now in this moment than what you realize. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, it says that God starts seasons and starts time. When the time for a season is over, he decides when it's over and he decides when the next season starts. But he's in every season. Just breathe and know whatever season you're in right now, you have the presence of God around you and protecting you. In Psalms 34, verse 7, it says that the angel of the Lord surrounds those who honor him and delivers them. Do you receive that? Put your hands together. Do you receive that? My, my greatest desire is not to try to get how many, peop- how, how can, how many people can we fit into this room So then we can go build a bigger room. (laughs) Then we cram people into that room so that we can go build a bigger room. Uh, I'm not interested in that because those bigger rooms are millions of dollars. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm interested in is how big are the people when they walk out of the door. I want you to walk in here with a certain amount of strength or no strength and walk out stronger than you've ever been before. I want hell to fear you when you pray. I want hell to fear you. One of these days, I'm going to be dead. You're going to be dead. This is supposed to be an uplifting message, by the way. (laughs) And the people around you will be those that you pass the baton to. Somebody passed you the baton. That's why you're here. But who will you pass the baton to? When you pass the baton or the baton I'm wanting to hand to you. It's a baton of miracles and healing and power. Everybody believes that God can do a miracle. Not everybody believes that he will. Here, every single Sunday, we play a testimony of somebody that recently experienced a miracle. 
so that you will know that he still does miracles. In Romans chapter 2, verse 11, it says that he has no favorites. If he did it for them, he'll do it for you. This miracle I find to be most apropos for Mother's Day. Take a listen to this. Hi, my name is Sabrina, and this is my husband, Dave. Um, we've been married for a little over 10 years now. In the beginning of our marriage, we started right away to try to start a family. Um, after years of trying to get pregnant on our own, um, the doctor actually um, told us after one of um, the surgeries that I had, trying to research why I couldn't get pregnant on my own, that my fallopian tubes were very narrow. Um, my egg count was extremely low. and. Um, there was really no chance that I would get pregnant naturally. We tried many avenues to try to get pregnant and um, eventually had to lean, lead towards IVF. So many miscarriages, many heartbeats heard, and many heartbeats um, uh, went to heaven and, and aren't here with us on earth. After about um, six years of, of kind of going through that, um, we have Conrad, he's almost five or almost four years old and uh, we waited a little bit to transfer another embryo, um, Beckett. Um, that embryo um, flourished into a wonderful pregnancy, um, thought everything was okay in March 22nd of last year. Um, it was a calm day, I didn't feel the baby move when we went to the hospital. We were in complete shock when we found out the, the baby was no longer alive. Um, Mother's Day last year came and went. It was a very hard holiday for me to celebrate. I still had Conrad to celebrate with, but um, Beckett was in heaven. When we lost Beckett, it was it was the hardest thing I think either of us have had to go through. But, um, you know, we had some really good friends in the church and the pastors, and I know it sounds crazy, but when something really bad happens, it can go one or two ways. You can go really dark, or you can choose to fight through it and push through it with your faith and, and God and, and hopefully your support system is there and they're on the same page as you are and thank God I think ours was. Constantly I would be in church and um, selfishly I would just pray. I felt selfish that I would, I would have a natural pregnancy and um, never came to fruition. It just becomes very difficult to just handle it on your own. So I, I truly, um, day after day, just had to have faith in God because I couldn't do it on my own. And as much as I, I wanted to be strong and wanted to do it on my own and lean on my friends and, and family, it just wasn't enough. So about five months after we lost him, um, for the first time in, in our lives, we were naturally pregnant um, with our son Elias. Um, on March 24th of this year, two, a year and two days after we lost our son Beckett last year, um, we delivered Elias, and um, he's our miracle baby. So um, on this Mother's Day, um, I celebrate all of our babies in heaven and here with us on earth, but just so grateful to be able to rejoice in, in what the Lord has blessed us with. And um, through our trying times when we were down at the lowest, um, just giving us that reward of, of having Elias in our lives. Um, we're just so happy and appreciative of it. And meet our miracle baby, Elias Kenneth Flint. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> happy Mother's Day!
up and give the Lord a standing ovation. Shall we do that? Come on, let's give it to him. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, earlier I, I talked about how when we, when we worship, we should visualize the face of Jesus to the best of our ability. Just me personally, everybody has a different relationship with God and, and whatever works for you is, is the kind of relationship he wants you to have in relation to your prayer and how you worship. But when I close my eyes to clap, I see his face. When I go to pray, I close my eyes to see his face. When I go to worship, I close my eyes to see his face. When we say, let's give God a standing ovation, I always close my eyes, see his face, and clap. It's a personal relationship. What you just saw is a mother who refused to stop believing. Many of you in this room knows what it feels like to lose a baby. My wife lost a baby before we had our last child. Losing a baby, losing a job, being perfectly healthy and then all of a sudden not healthy at all, losing a marriage, the pain of losing something is so deep. Losing friends, losing a community, it's so deep. If you had every word in the English language at your demand, you still could not communicate the hollow feeling that you're left with. And that hollow feeling is how the enemy tries to like a syringe, suck the faith right out of us. I want you to know God still does miracles. He still does miracles. If you don't know our story three years ago, I told God, I cannot play church anymore. I can't do it. I can't. I can't do four songs, testimony, uh, four songs, announcements, offering, and a sermon anymore. I'm done. I'd rather go open up a snow cone stand on the beach. I cannot do the routine anymore. A routine can draw a crowd, but it cannot change a life. A routine can make someone laugh but it cannot cause a supernatural encounter that ignites a miracle and changes the trajectory of a life. The only reason why you are drawn to this church is because both you and I have that in common. If you need a miracle today, we believe in miracles. We don't believe because we hope, we believe because we've seen
I had a Mormon neighbor. I still, he's still my neighbor. We, we'd meet every single morning for like six weeks to try to convert each other. It was hilarious. He'd try to convert me. I'd try to convert him. He'd try to convert me. My wife would look out the window and just go, Frankie, what are you doing? His wife would be looking out the window and like, really, guys? We'd be worried. We'd have all our favorite scriptures, blah, 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 blah. And then finally I said, you know, you could never convert me. And this is why. You read about miracles. You talk about miracles. You talk about all the things that Jesus did. I see them. We didn't meet anymore after that. <laughs> but he's a great guy. I'd like our prayer partners to come down. Most of the miracles, whether it's financial, it's in your marriage, most of the miracles happen when prayer partners pray with each other. It's just how it is. I went to a church three weeks ago and three people who had a deaf ear or one person was deaf in both ears, they opened up and I went home sad because I knew if I would have brought the prayer partners, more people would have got healed. Can you just put your hands out like this? I'm gonna let everybody, I know we went long today, but I'm gonna let everybody out of here in about 60 seconds. Preacher 60 seconds, not your 60 seconds. Holy Spirit. We love you. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes and you don't know where you would spend eternity, in a moment, I want you to come out of your seat and take the hand of a prayer partner and tell them that you need to get your life right with God. feel like the Lord wants me to pray for someone in this room who is having an irregular heartbeat. Is that anyone in this room? You're having an irregular heartbeat. If nobody raises their hand, if nobody comes down, that means I miss God. Just come down. Is it you? Come here. I want to pray for you. It might be more than one. I, I have the lights down on purpose because I want it to be a personal moment between you and the Lord, but just come right down here. If you raise your hand, come right down here. The Lord's going to heal that. If you get healed at Celebration Church and you don't tell us about it, shame on you. Shame on you because you are not giving God the glory that he deserves. You are holding his glory back. I can't touch his glory. I can't get any credit, but you have to give it to him. Dr. Brian, I think I saw you a minute ago. Are you here? What do you call it? And things are going over your eyes. Oh, it's like these little white things that just floaters, cataracts, cataracts. There's someone here, cataracts. I feel like I'm supposed to pray for somebody who has cataracts in your eyes. Come down here. I can't see. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. 
Um, I... Last week or two weeks ago, <laughs> I felt like the Lord put a name on my heart for somebody named uh, Carrie who is going through a situation and you're most concerned about your children. Nobody came down and I miss it a lot. But at the end of the service, someone came down and said, my name is Karen. I'm going through a divorce and I'm afraid for my children. I was off by like three letters. And I thought to myself, I wish... If I'm off by a couple letters, but I'm right in everything else, that's me learning. I'm learning right in front of you. I don't have any of these gifts down and figured out. I am learning right in front of you. And the only reason why I'm leaning into these gifts is because if you see me say something that I would not know unless the Lord told me, it will lift your faith. And so... I lean into, so if I miss it by a couple letters, but everything else is right. Now don't say, you know, my name is Eric and you called out Carrie, but, <laughs> but if I, if I get your name right and I get the situation right, you know, God's in it. If I miss it, I miss it and I'm sorry. So I've got two names. Last name is Johnson. And your your son needs a physical miracle. And he's younger, 12 or younger. Um, There was... Does Johnson, does he have asthma maybe? Is that anyone in this room? Or do you know who I'm talking about? Last name's Johnson, this 12 years old or younger, and he's got asthma. There was another name that came to my spirit. I can't remember what it was. I should have wrote it down. But is that anybody in this room? Maybe I missed it. Sure feels like I got it, though. If nobody raises their hands, that means I missed it. I got to own that. Would you just raise your hands right where you're at? All of you. The four of you right here, would you get them to pray for these people? I believe they're about to get healed. Whatever you need, come out of your seat. Take the hand of a prayer partner. If you're new here, come back next week. You'll see another testimony of another healing, another miracle. Come out of your seat.
Take the hand of someone down here. Not everybody we pray for gets healed. Not every word of knowledge I have is accurate, but when it is, the probability of the miracle happening shoots right through the roof. Just raise your hands right where you are. It's going to be no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. Just want the worship team to go ahead and sing a song or two. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his face be lifted up on you and bring you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 